Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rambling Rev. My name is Scott Dalen. I'm an ELCA pastor in Southwest Iowa, and I present these episodes every week, usually, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the first of which is to take my brain out of the mode of background work over the course of the week and move into the process of writing and preparing and prepping and getting ready, all that fun stuff. The sermon that I will preach to my congregation for the weekend. That is the first reason I do these. And the second is just to allow you, the listener, who have come across this for whatever reason brought you here today, whether you are a regular subscriber, for which I say thank you, you are appreciated, or if you just somehow managed to find this because it showed up in your feed or someone shared it and you saw it or whatever, just to allow you to gain some different insight in the assigned text for the week as dictated by the Revised Common Lectionary. This coming Sunday, January 26, 2020, happens to be my sister's birthday, so happy birthday, sis, if you are listening. It is the third Sunday after Epiphany. We are still in the midst of this season. Now, the season of Epiphany is one of those that kind of goes on various length of time, depending on when Easter falls, and Easter determines uh, kind of backtracking the season of, of Lent and Ash Wednesday and all of that. But Epiphany is the time between January 6th and then Ash Wednesday, whenever that happens to be. It happens to be the last Wednesday of February this particular year. That said, the season of Epiphany is one in which we continue to hear about different ways that Jesus is revealed to the world. So far, we have had his baptism. There's also the day of Epiphany when we actually celebrate or we think about the visit of the Magi when Jesus was still a baby. Uh, most of what we do focus in on, though, has to do with Jesus' adult years and his ministry and such. And this one is no exception. Now, our assigned gospel text for this coming Sunday is Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23. And this is very, very early in Jesus' whole overarching story. Not a great deal has happened to this point. Is As far as the adult Jesus, we've had his baptism that I mentioned a moment ago. That happens. And following the, the baptismal story, then there is the instance of the Holy Spirit driving Jesus out into the wilderness where he is tempted by Satan for a period of 40 days. That goes on, and we hear about those three different temptations that go on. And then following that, then we move right into this passage. So there's not been a great deal going on to this point, which is fine. That's just the case, and uh, we're early on. And there are two things that are going on here. We hear about the reason that Jesus spends a great deal of his time in the region of Galilee, which, if you are familiar with the Holy Land, is kind of the northern part of what we would call present-day Israel. There's, there's an aspect of that going on. And then we also have the calling of the first four disciples, which is an important aspect within this early part of Jesus' ministry, because as we know, he was not alone for most of it. He had 12 guys, as well as other various people and individuals who were following him along. But that's kind of the focal point of the story. So I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we will get into it. So again, Matthew 4, verses 12 through 23. Now, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. 
As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. All right, so that's the passage. So some thoughts. Uh, as we hear right away, John the Baptist has been arrested. Now, John had made quite a splash during his ministry, his time. He had attracted great crowds. And interestingly enough, his message that we hear most prominently is repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then he talks about the coming Messiah. Now, did you happen to catch what the first words of Jesus are in his public ministry? It is, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Almost like they've got a really similar message. And in fact, I think they do. And that speaks to the divine nature of both of their calls or both of their ministries, that they're on the right track there. But, but we hear that John's been arrested. And because of that, Jesus goes off into Galilee. Now, Galilee, as I mentioned before, is in the north. Uh, it's ways away from the cultural center of the city of Jerusalem. It's also a ways away from Jericho, which is where we believe the, his baptism had happened and where the temptation had happened. That's the traditional site anyway. Uh, so he goes more to the north. And the north is very much a mixture of Jewish territory as well as Gentile territory, which we hear little snippets of especially right where he's at. We hear he's in the city of Capernaum. Now, Capernaum is right on the northern edge of the Sea of Galilee. It was an important community. It was a rather large community. It probably wouldn't be called a city, but it was a large community. There was a strong Roman presence there, both military and governmental, because it was actually a tax route. There was a great deal of commerce there because of so much, so much travel and trade went through there. It was also an important location because of the sea and uh, the economy that was bolstered by fishermen. That's an important point to think about, that when Jesus encounters these four disciples, these four fishermen, they're, a, they're businessmen. They're an important aspect of this community. These aren't just simple guys with, with a you know, with like one tiny little net or with a fishing pole. These are big business. So when they lead to follow him, it's a big decision that they're making, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself with that. But being there in Capernaum is important. It's also the hometown of Peter and Andrew and James and John, which is probably explaining why uh, that encounter had happened. Also, the fact that he's made his home there seems to indicate that maybe, just maybe, there had been some past history between them before this moment of Jesus calling them. Maybe they knew who he was. Maybe they didn't. We don't really know. It's kind of ambiguous, but that's all right. The one last thing that I want to say about Jesus' ministry here in Capernaum is that statement, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, that's the way we usually talk about that or translate it. But the, the original language of this is important to highlight because it's in the tense that is present and active, meaning that the action is ongoing. So rather than saying that the kingdom of heaven has come near, which is like past tense, it's present tense and it's ongoing action. The kingdom of heaven is coming near. And I believe that's true then. I believe it was true for the disciples. I believe it's also still true for us now that it's not a one-time thing. The kingdom is continuously coming near to us. Now, what does that look like? That's perhaps the really big question and something that I think we get into as we consider the call of disciples. Now, 
Jesus just invites them to follow me, to come follow after, uh, come come behind me. That's actually the, the follow me is come after me, which is maybe a subtle distinction, but uh, but it means I'm going first and I want you to come along behind me. But he says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. What I like about that aspect is that Jesus seems to be saying or taking this aspect of these guys' regular lives and saying, I'm going to have you do something. I'm going to invite you into something that's going to be along the same lines. It's, it's going to be a part of what you already know. It's going to be different and yet still connected. I'm going to make you fish for people. Well, what's that mean? Well, it seems to mean find more disciples or go bring more disciples. But, uh, but we have first Peter and Andrew. And then we have James and John. And what I also think is interesting about that, and this is kind of a side note, but it catches my attention and I think it's kind of neat, is we think about Zebedee. Zebedee's their dad. and He's right there with them and they leave him. When they follow Jesus, they leave him in the boat. And I wonder what does Zebedee think? Is he thinking, hey, boys, get back here. We still got work to do. Is he wondering what's up? Is he thinking, oh, they're going now, but they'll be back? Or is he thinking maybe, hey, I want to go too? We don't know. But I love Zebedee because he's so ambiguous, and, and any one of us could be Zebedee. But we hear all four of these guys leave their livelihoods, leave their lives, although Peter, we hear later, will still be present. Um, he, his house there in Capernaum is still there, and we hear about that later on. So it's not like they gave up everything, but there's a definite change in what they're doing. So all that's happening. And then we have this final little portion. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Now, most of this entire passage is also featured in the other gospels, specifically in Matthew and, and or in Mark and in Luke. There's aspects in John as well that are similar, but John is, of course, a little bit different. But we hear about all these things. And we do hear that Jesus, this little portion that Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues. But the extra part is unique to Matthew, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. And that catches my attention as I think about what I mentioned before about that ongoing action of the kingdom of heaven is coming near and the invitation of Jesus into the work that he invites the disciples and that he is also extended to us. There's another portion of Matthew's gospel and goes on later on. It's in chapter 11. And it's actually tied to John the Baptist as well. When John's in prison, he's hearing about the ministry of Jesus. And he's like, you know, that doesn't seem like what I expected the Messiah to be. And so he sends his followers to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one to come or do we need to look for someone else? And Jesus basically says, go tell John this. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, good news is proclaimed. That's what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And there's another aspect that we hear from Jesus, and it's later on, as we're getting more towards the end of his ministry, he talks about, in, in the future, he will ask, you saw me naked, or he'll say, you saw me naked and you gave me clothes, you saw me hungry, you gave me food, you, uh, all, all of these things. And I think all of this is tied together in the invitation that we have to join in the work. We're invited to join in this work that God is up to in the world. And what does that look like? I think that looks like these times when we embody the ministry that Jesus himself did, when we reach out to those who are marginalized, when those who have more than they need give to those who don't have enough, when those who have an abundance of joy and peace share it with those who don't, when love is expressed, when simple love with no, with no connections, with no, with no hitches, none of that, when we simply give of ourselves 
to be in community, to be in relationship with one another. I think that's how the kingdom of, of God, the kingdom of heaven, is coming near now when we embody it. And why is all that important? Well, I think that this is the ongoing action that we see throughout the scriptures. Uh, I was talking about this actually today uh, as, as I record this. I was in conversation with an individual. And we talked about the seemingly the ongoing message throughout the scriptures is that we have, we have a God that desires to be with us. We see it in the beginning. God creates the garden where God is with humanity. That gets messed up. We have the promises of God to still be present even through the flood. We have the promises of God to be present with Abraham and the patriarchs and with their descendants. We get a little farther along. We have a God who literally dwells among the people in the tabernacle and then later on in the, in the temple as they wander in the wilderness. We have a God that uh, is promising through the prophets that no matter what junk is going to come their way, they will not be forsaken and God will still be with them and that ultimately this is not the end. Then when we get into the Gospels, we have a God that literally dwells among us as one of us. And then it even moves on from there. And the promise of God, the promise of Jesus, is that we will not be left alone and that he will send the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to dwell within us, to unite us as we are the body of Christ. And we are embodying that same action of bringing the kingdom into fruition. That seems to be the real thrust of, of what's happening here. That's what I really take away from this, that when Jesus is calling disciples, whether it was the 12 or whether it's even the invitation that we receive now uh, through our faith and through our, the waters of our baptism, we are invited into the same work. And we embody the coming of the kingdom in the here and now. That's a lot of what's happening in this passage. I really like it. I get pretty excited about it. I think that this this early call into discipleship is is something that we should really pay attention to and take notice of. And uh, so that's kind of the direction I'm going with that. I want to thank you for your time to uh, give a listen. If you happen to be on iTunes, you want to give a rating and review, that certainly helps out the podcast. Otherwise, uh, I hope you have a blessed week and we will catch you next time.